And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sadiq Sharma and Patrick Mooney, here to talk about Cubs. Uh, I got to mention at the top that my uh, oldest daughter, who's still relatively young, but is, is sort of getting out into the world of internet culture and starting to pick these things up, she made her way into uh, our reviews Uh-oh. and our, you know, the comments on our podcast. And I would say she found, for the most part, them to be very kind. Uh, she said, by the way, Sadif, that she couldn't find a crossword about Mooney. Specifically, no, nobody said anything negative about Mooney, which I think by implication means that she found <laughs> plenty about to say for people me. talking about you and okay, me. Okay, fair enough. Um, but uh, let me let me plug us then at the top for the good of my family and the good of my home. How about leaving us a nice nice review, maybe a five star, <laughs> dropping some nice comments about how much you love Sahadev and me specifically, just so that we're equally represented in, in the feedback. Uh, we'd appreciate that. And you can, if you want to say something nice about Mooney, you can too. Uh, I have lots of bots controlling the comment section uh, on Apple, Spotify, and The Athletic. Um, okay, so yeah, we're going to talk Cubs, and we will do our best to articulate nuance and thoughtfulness in the face of a stretch where we are going to be confronted repeatedly by the same narrative, which is, hey, Trade deadline is X number of days away. Cubs really need to win Y number of games in order to avoid a sell-off. Um, so it's sort of, you know, we joked, I think, last time that it's like you can't make every single game a referendum on buy-sell. But, I mean, I I now joke after every game. Cubs win, I'm like, oh, looks like they're buying. And they lose, <laughs> oh, looks like they're selling. Um, but it's it's pretty close to that. And so in that respect, losing a series even to a good Red Sox team who's very hot right now uh, is bad there's there's no no way around it um the you know it's good i suppose the cubs didn't get swept it's good that this was probably the hardest series on their schedule before the deadline uh but nevertheless any game that ticks off without a w is an opportunity missed and i think this series in particular uh there's good stuff to talk about for sure you know uh marcus stroman and cody bellinger's importance to this team and also potentially importance, unfortunately, at the deadline was underscored in this series. They both played very well, uh, but also some things that the Red Sox are currently doing well that the Cubs are not was was also underscored in this series. So I don't know which which part you want to pick off of that to talk about first, guys, but I think there are a lot of um, contrasting dynamics that, that we did get a chance to see. Yeah, I mean... Uh... <laughs> Coming into this series, uh, my focus was a lot on just watching Boston, seeing how they are, 
what what is this team is this team any good what are their strengths weaknesses because you know i'm not following them closely i do recall the narrative of the winter was what a disaster uh off season it was for the red sox and now you know are, are they in the thick of the race no the al east is is really difficult um i think they're uh, a couple games back in the wild card so they are uh in the race and there's six games over 500 and they have uh two pretty nice building blocks on offense in Devers and uh, Yoshida. And, you know, I, I can't get it out of my head. And this is, it's, it's going to be like the Marlins uh, Nats series, uh, you know, road trip uh, for me, at least that Raphael Devers was the perfect uh, off season addition for the Cubs this winter. And, and the Red Sox extending him uh, has to infuriate Jed Hoyer because I think he he saw it similarly. Uh, there's that left-handed power bat that you can stick at third. Is he some elite defender? No, but he is one of the best offensive uh, all-round talents in the game. Uh, and and wow, he would have fit well in Wrigley Field. And wow, did he look good this <laughs> this weekend. Uh, and, and you could really, you know, I, you, the Yoshida signing was panned. Um, he's obviously a really quality player uh, three and a half months in. Uh, I don't want to assume that's who he's going to be, but he, he looked like he took really calm at bats and, and seemed to have, uh, I'm not sure, he's not really known for his power, so I'm not sure if he's, uh, he's going to be a power hitter, but uh, he seems like a pretty quality offensive uh player it's just it's it's interesting the two teams that i thought had the worst off seasons uh were the red sox and the giants and they're they're having great seasons so maybe that's just a reminder and when i say i thought that i think a lot of people thought that maybe that's a reminder that we shouldn't overreact to off seasons and and that can be uh put in place for jed hoyer as well and the cubs i mean we they're, they're, it's very easy to say just go after the best players and sign the best players and and that's how you fix everything uh but it, it can it's not like Heim Bloom is much is is going about things much differently than than Jed Hoyer he's he's just hitting on some some pieces and he happens to be in a really tough division uh though that that stood out to me the Red Sox are seemed like they were headed for a mess and they're clearly not this disastrous organization that uh, that fans wanted to put on them and national media wanted to put on them. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's like a cautionary tale for the Cubs, if it's like maybe we shouldn't overreact to every sing every moment. But I, I just it, it stood out to me that the Red Sox aren't this disaster that many expected them to be. Well, I think the the Cubs are treated much more gently than the Red Sox are. I mean, they've won what four World Series titles in t- less than twenty years, and they get hammered all the time. And I do think it raises their game to a certain extent. And if I was a Cubs executive looking out at Wrigley Field this weekend, like that buzz that we used to get for Cubs Red Sox on those very rare occasions, wasn't quite there. Uh, You had your pitching lined up for the whole weekend and you lost two of three. Uh, Your bright spots from Saturday are the, your two biggest trade chips and Stroman and Bellinger. And it's like hard to see like in this moment, like what the Cubs do 
really well. You know, the building blocks they signed through 2026 aren't performing very well. You know, the Red Sox were this, when Theo and Jed came in, were this vision and that, you know, big time American League East thumping lineup. And the Cubs don't really have corner infielders or corner outfielders or designated hitter who really put up huge numbers. And then when you have Dansby Swanson out, uh, your defense slips a little bit, as good as Nico Horner is. And so, obviously, we could be singing a very different tune on Thursday the next time we record if the Cubs sweep the Nationals. But, like, we're pretty far into the season. The Cubs have not yet, like, captured that momentum that said, okay, this team has it. And I just don't know how much of this is just kind of delaying the inevitable here. Uh. <clears throat> I'm with you on all of that, but my my thoughts caught because you reminded me of something that has really started to stand out with the composition of the roster. Some of it's surprise, you know, unexpected, some of it's injury related, what have you, but the corners specifically on this team, first base, third base, left field, right field, you know, historically, the reason there's a reference to up the middle defense is because those are the spots where defense is disproportionately important, catcher, second, shortstop, center field, but it's also where your best defenders are. So the converse of that is it tends to be you can put your biggest bats where, where maybe you can get them, uh, where you can acquire them more easily because they don't have that huge defensive value. You can put them in left, right, first, and third. Uh, the Cubs, I think if we pooled the production of those four spots together, uh, I would be very surprised if it wasn't bottom five in Major League Baseball. Um, now, again, some of that is some of it is not an indictment of the players selected to fill those roles at the start of the season. Um, you know, Ian Happ is coming off his best season last year, won a gold glove and really started to balance himself well at the plate. It's not as if the Cubs were going to go this offseason and say, ah, but you know what? That's where we're going to upgrade. Uh, and then certainly with Seiya Suzuki coming off an okay rookie year, uh, but but there were reasons to believe there was going to be more. Again, not like the Cubs were going to go get a right fielder. Uh, first and third, we know the stories there. Uh, the Cubs were going to try to make it work with, with guys they had. Um, I think pretty clearly that became an issue. I think that's where a lot of deserved criticism is going to be in terms of the way the Cubs decided to to let the roster go, but that's all kind of immaterial now because all that matters now is the Cubs aren't getting production out of those spots and we can talk about those spots. We can talk about individual players because we could add Nico Horner right now to the mix of guys who offensively were at least supposed to provide a floor, but who have really been struggling lately. And this is the time when the Cubs need, you know, they need Nico Horner to be hitting right now. They need Seiya Suzuki to be hitting right now, and they need Ian Happ to be hitting right now. And I don't really think any of them are uh, particularly hot at the moment. And these next two weeks are critical uh, if they, as members of the core of this team, want the team to stick together for a second half and try to compete. And so that isn't to put undue pressure on them to like, hey, just go out there and hit today. That's not how baseball works. But it is a point of frustration that guys who are supposed to be carrying uh, this team in a lot of ways, unfortunately, are, um, are not doing their part uh, during this most critical stretch of the year. Yeah, it's 
I, I think it's a little jarring to me when I look at the overall numbers, and Ian Happ has far and away the best numbers of that trio of Horner, Happ, and Suzuki, because, I, I mean, I... <sighs> Because I've really noticed, it feels like Ian's really struggling, right? But he takes his walks still, and and he has this ability to get on base and produce in that in that fashion. And he's got a one twelve weighted runs created plus. Suzuki's now below one hundred. Uh, Nico Horner's at ninety two. Nico Horner has been really bad in July, uh, and you know I think he has like one line drive in the entire month of July. Uh, it's, you know, it's not like, I don't want to trash these players because it's not like they don't put in the work or don't like they have like these fatal flaws. They're just right now, they're not producing at the most important part of the season when, when the season's spiraling and, and it's like, are we buyers or sellers? And, and they're making it clear to everyone watching that, it looks like they're sellers, right? And and they're not getting the job done on a regular basis. And you don't want Nico Horner, uh, you know, uh, Patrick's right. The the defense downgrades when, when Dansby Swanson's out, obviously. But Nico Horner knows he has to make that play. That isn't some like, oh, because Dansby Swanson's out, uh, that that play happens. It happened like I like Nico Horner makes that play. 10 times out of 10 and somehow doesn't make it. And, and suddenly Sunday's, a, you know, a game that just goes out of control instead of a close battle, right? Like that, that's an inning that I, I think if he makes that play, it's still one, nothing. If everything goes as, as two, two, it would have been two zero. Well, but he, the, the run that scored was the, the, that second run that scored was the guy that uh, reached via that non-error error. I think. I I think I'd have to go through but, the timing of when Steele would have recorded the third out. Sure. But Either way. It's all butterfly wings. <laughs> right, right, right. Either way, I mean, it's just, it, it's remarkable that the best players, the supposedly best players on the team are not performing when it matters most. And and now it it's, it, it, you start to question the construction of the team, right? You, you start to question like, okay, you have these pieces you want to build around. Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner. Well, how many of them are really productive? How many of them are really uh, players you can trust? I like. I don't want to jump off the the bandwagon of any of these players. I'm not saying they're they can't be good players. They've they've just really struggled in the moments that it matters most. I don't know what Seiya Suzuki is, uh, and I and I'm starting to wonder what he what he can be and what his ceiling is. He has all these traits that that you really value. He just puts the ball on the ground constantly. Now, is that just something that uh, he's in a rut with his timing and mechanics and starting to get in his own head? Is Nico Horner the type of player that puts the weight of the world on his shoulders? Is that what's happening right now? And he's pressing a little too much and trying to trying to make things happen when all he needs to do is stay calm at the plate and, and be himself. Uh, Ian Happ is, is clearly off. Uh, he can't hit fastballs at all anymore. Uh, he crushed them in April, so I, it's it's just really odd. It, it's not it, it's it, it's it's bad for the future as well. It makes you feel less confident about what this team can be going forward. Because the whole point was let's lock these guys up. Let's let's have some pieces to build around. And now you're like, okay, the two best players on the team are the impending free agents again, and. 
and when fans say like you can't sell them what does it mean what does it say for the future listen they're they're free agents whether they're traded or not neither of these guys are signing extensions i know marcus stroman says all the right things at the podium but until he tells us that he's willing to take a three-year deal at 20 million a year or something like that then we can't really say like what is jed hoyer doing here because in all likelihood what he wants is some insane market over market deal right like hit the open market, see what your value is on the open market. And if the Cubs can't match that, then let's, uh, let's get on Jed Hoyer. I don't, I like the, this whole idea of they, they have to extend these guys. They can't trade them. Doesn't really uh, float with me. I, I don't really like, it's very easy for the players to say they want to be here. I don't know what prices they want to be here for. And maybe the answer to that is who cares? Sign them for whatever. They're your best players. Uh I can I can understand if that's the way fans feel, but right now the players that are around aren't giving you a lot of hope. So I understand the frustration. Because this is going to wind up in some sort of gray area, right? And there's going to be some softer factors of like how are our best core players playing and they're not performing right now. And that really kind of cuts to the heart of everything the Cubs have been doing for the last few years. And I don't think any of these contracts are like going to crush the Cubs payroll. I don't think any of these players, like we're all saying are bad players or not salvageable or, you know, anything like that. But it's just like, these are the guys, you know, and when you trade, you know, the guys from 2016 and you kind of try to line things up and, you know, giving, you know, high AAVs on like shorter term deals. Like, you know, these are kind of the guys you're betting on. It doesn't mean they won't perform the rest of this year or in the years ahead, but it's just, it's just brutal timing for an organization that wants nothing more than to talk themselves into not selling, uh, maybe adding a little bit, but it's, it's just getting harder to see every day that comes off the calendar without a W and I thought our friend Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune had a great column of like, of course we shouldn't judge game to game. It should be inning to inning. And that's how uh, he was going off it. But that's that's what it feels like as you're trying to process this game and explain it to your your readers and, and listeners. Like, that's the only thing that matters right now. And it doesn't really matter what your underlying stats are or like how sensible the contract was at the time or why you did those moves. It's, you know, are you performing or not? And the Cubs didn't this weekend, by and large. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So, I guess let's talk a little bit about the, you know, we were talking pre-recording about how challenging it is to talk about the performances of guys specifically like Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger, because, you know, in years past when it was a clear sell year, you know, it was a year that was, you know, Hey, maybe if everything goes right, you know, but, but everybody knew sort of, it was, it was a, where this was going, you know, 21, 22, both had that feel 2012, 13, 14, they were all, styled to be selling in July. This year was not that, despite, I know some folks want to shout themselves into a fury that the Cubs always intended to sell this year, which, you know, if your intent was to sell in in 2023, I could probably save you $176 million by signing Elvis Andrews to to be your shortstop instead of Dansby Swanson. So I don't quite get that, that perspective that the intention was to sell. Uh, that's just where they are now. And so it, it is difficult to talk about, you know, when Marcus Stroman throws his league leading, uh, a league leading another quality start and Cody Bellinger uh, is one of the most on fire players in baseball. I want to focus on that as a contribution to the Cubs, uh, not only not selling, but, but carrying forward into August and September. And it's like, oh, it's good. They have these guys and let's get them in a good place to, to compete down the stretch. And for the postseason, how does Marcus Stroman perform as a postseason arm, all this kind of stuff. But in this brief period of time between now and August 1st, the trade deadline, it's really hard to get myself into those conversations because I know just like you guys know, just like every fan watching knows they could be gone in two weeks. And so the flip side of that is, oh, well, then just talk about them as trade chips. And boy, isn't it great that they're both like really hot right now and, and have a lot of value. Eh, I don't, I'm not super into talking about that either right <laughs> yeah. now because that's that's not decided yet either. And so I I don't know. I, it's, I admit to it that I, I type and delete a million sentences a day on this subject because there's not a great place to land other than I think you guys have written it. At a minimum, it's good that they're performing well. Whatever direction the Cubs go, it's a good thing that these two players in particular are performing well. I suppose I wish they were leading to more wins. It's not really their fault. Um, But yeah, they might be the top bat and the top pitcher on the trade market. And yet here we are two weeks from the deadline and we haven't really talked about that. 
I haven't written about it hardly at all. We haven't talked about it on this podcast at all. Like, what's the market for them? What's the trade value? What do we do with that? What should I'm like, I, I don't know. I feel so feckless to not be able to inform people properly on this, but I feel like it's also not my fault. It's just sort of this weird gray area that the Cubs are in right now. Well, I mean, there's there's a little bit, there's a lot to that, right? There's, uh, first of all, fans are sick of it. Like, it, uh, nobody yeah, wants to hear about too. the trade value at, 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 of the players, of your best players at the deadline. I would be sick of it if I were a fan. I'm sick of writing it. I, I mean, every, every July, the whole point was that what... <laughs> There was a bare minimum goal of let's see if they can not be sellers in July and maybe stay relevant a little bit into August and September. Uh, and and they're so it looks like they're failing to reach that goal, right? That that's a low bar. I mean, what did, what did Patrick say to start this podcast off? The Red Sox were torn apart. Why? Because they're held to this really high standard. And and I'd like to think we, we we hold the Cubs to that standard, but clearly we don't because we we're we're saying like avoid being sellers and we'll take it, and that's a win, and and they haven't succeeded in that. So absolutely, fans don't want to hear it. They don't want to know the value of those players. Majority of them, some of them do. I I get some comments and like, what can they actually get for these players? I think they can get some decent pieces. I don't know how close those pieces will be to helping the 2024 team. And I think that should be the main focus for Jed Hoyer and, and Carter Hawkins and for the fans, because nobody wants them wants to be in the same position next year. Right. Because if they are, guess what? Jed Hoyer's job is on the line. Like you can't look at it any other way. If he is selling again in 2024, barring something that's just like completely out of his control, like half the roster, getting hurt or something like that. I, I just don't, even then, like, I don't know how his job isn't on the line. It, like it, this is there, there's a timeline in place. And even they said they, you know, Carter Hawkins had the quote in the GM meet, or whether it was GM meetings or winter meetings where he basically said, well, we're not presenting to players that were this hundred win team, right? How do you, how do you try and get free agents? Well, we don't tell them we're, 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 we're going to win 105 games. Uh, I think last deadline I asked Jed, like, is this, is this the end? Is this, are you, are you done selling at starting next year? And, and he kind of hemmed and hawed because he knew it, we don't know what direction it's going to go. And I knew I was putting him in an awkward situation there. He couldn't say definitely no more selling next year, but like, Prince. yeah, but but that's what fans want. They they want to be assured that this team isn't going to go into the season and and be like, uh, here we go, selling again. It just it it, it doesn't it it's not it's not fun for anyone to have to uh, go through the prospects of other teams and and say like, well, what can they get? And the reality is, I mean, you look at the hauls teams get. If there was if if these like, it's it's usually for a guy that has another year on their deal. Uh, maybe they can get someone, some good pieces. Uh, these are the two best. I would uh, agree. These are the two best uh, players probably on the market overall. Um, un- rentals. Yeah. Rentals that we know. About. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless Otani is traded, um, uh, and they did get Ben Brown for David Robertson. That's a, that's a really good return there. So, uh, you know, Daniel Palencia was uh, acquired for a reliever. 
uh, and he's helping the team two that, years that later. Piece, that uh, that that Pete Crow Armstrong kid seems sure. like he might be pretty decent. My my thing with that is that was 2021. He's not going to help the team till 2024, right? You can't get a piece uh, that helps you in 2026. That's going to help, uh, you know, uh, the next GM, not Jed Hoyer, if that's the case. Sorry to slide in, too, because I'm with you on this point, and I keep telling people who you know, are like, you know, they've got to, if, if they sell, they've got to get pieces. They're going to impact right away in 2024. I mean, that's, that'd be great. But Jed did try to do that one time. He tried to do that with the Craig Kimbrell trade. Right. And he got Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal. Right. And like, and Zach McKinstry was acquired last year. Right. And and I know Cubs fans were lamenting. They let him go. He's gone. He's, he's been in a similar free fall to the, to the Cubs players we mentioned before. Uh, so, so it's not like he's some big miss either. But it, either way, it, like it, it's hard to get – teams don't want to give up those guys that are on the precipice of the big leagues. They just don't want to give them up, right, unless they have a ton of depth. So you got to like try and take advantage – like uh, a team like Tampa Bay, they don't they, – they aren't aggressive unless they can win the division and, and like really take advantage of their spot in the playoffs. They don't go hard if it's wild card uh, or, or nothing else, right? So they can win their division – do they go hard on on one of the bigger names? Uh, from my understanding, they're not really into Cody Bellinger, but they are doing uh, homework on Marcus Stroman. Whether they pay up is the question. That's how that's how the Rays are, right? But they have a ton of depth, and they have guys that that are knocking on the door that they could move because they have so much position player depth in general, both in the system and and at the major league level that that it could it could make sense i just i'd be surprised if they pay a, a hefty price that, that that's usually not their mo i i mean i we're already seeing whispers about this if they're going to pay a hefty price it would be if otani goes on the market right i i just don't i i don't see them doing that for someone like marcus stroman right now um they, they do it for like game changers or or someone or, or a piece that they're just really missing so um yeah, I, I don't know what they can get for these guys. It sucks that we have to talk about it in that fashion. But I right now that they, they need to go on one of those. It's like it is day to day, and and like the next loss, it's like okay, I think I think we're ready to call this one because you know you have to just keep winning. Uh, otherwise, otherwise it's time to time to look at what you can get for for the impending free agents. Just look at how how many months or cycles the cubs have just like raised the white flag and become irrelevant and we can look back to some of those off seasons where you know how many years was it where daniel descalso was the only multi-year uh free agent signed uh you have things obviously beyond their control but you have a pandemic in which no fans were allowed into wrigley field in, in 2020 you had the lockout you had you know, potentially three consecutive sell-offs. Like it's a, it's a lot to, you know. I know the Cubs have this uh, amazingly durable business model, but like, don't think those pressures aren't being felt like right now inside that building of just like you know how many times can they just like take themselves out of the competitive cycle here and expect to to bounce back the way that they have historically. It's just not. The landscape has changed a lot in, in in a lot of different ways, and and I really think that's a reason why we can still be having this conversation of whether or not they're going to buy or sell. Because like 
you know, Jed Hoyer has World Series rings. David Ross has World Series rings. A lot of players in that clubhouse have World Series rings. Like, we can't be talking about, you know, the 2021 Braves or the 2019 Nationals anymore. Like, this team on paper is not good enough, period. But maybe they can get hot here and, like, convince themselves, you know, that the right call is to, like, keep playing it out. I just don't know at, you know, whatever, July 31st, I don't know the exact time will be when they have to, like, really make a decision, but... I have a hard time thinking that they watch these games thinking like, oh, this is a team that could do damage in the playoffs. Like, no chance. Yeah, the fact that buying is still on the table is it has as much to do, maybe more, with the context surrounding the last five years and the launch of Marquee and uh, like a million things that don't have anything to do with the composition of this roster. Uh, as much to do with that as admittedly, this is a team that's underperformed in results. It's... It, they're better than their record. I still will stand by that for as, as flawed as they are and for as much as they aren't a team that anybody could look at and say, oh yeah, that's an obvious playoff team. That's an obvious winner. They just need to, they just need to stabilize and they'll, they'll win at a 600 clip the rest of the way. Um, that would be nonsense. Uh, but I do think that they have, that they're better than they've showed. Um, but that isn't why that isn't the sole reason why this buy sell decision is still unmade. And in a different year, at a different time, you know, if this were, if 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 this were like 2019 at the tail end, like they'd already be selling. The the, the decision already would have been made. Um, you know, the the central being weak is a big factor in this too. But you're right. It's um, it's a weird time. That that probably adds a layer to the the challenge in discussing the individual players and the trade values and things like that because we know that the it's the Cubs aren't wouldn't be justified in buying today. It's that they're desperately hoping something happens that gives them an excuse to do so over the next two weeks, and it keeps not quite happening, uh, including the series loss to the Red Sox. And like you said, maybe they sweep the Nationals and then we are talking on Thursday like, okay, maybe that was enough to start doing more groundwork on X, Y, and Z. Don't know. Couldn't say because it does feel like it changes day to day. But we will be there for you on Thursday to try to take that uh, pulse and probably have a, a, a similar conversation to today, but hopefully with um, a little more information because that's really all you're gathering at this point is just more and more information as the deadline gets closer. So this is on to Waveland Cubs podcast here at the athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Get theirs at the athletic. We appreciate you uh, listening in as always. And we look forward to talking to you again later this week. Take care. 